Thanks for tuning in to the Bethel New England Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message from our lead pastor, Pastor Eric Capelli. This morning, I'm sharing with you from the sermon series, Go Tell It. This has been fun. Yeah? Every year, I think, how am I going to take these messages that everyone has heard, and how am I going to tell them? And again, I think the beauty of it is, it's not unscriptural. We're diving into the scripture. But we're seeing, what does the Bible say versus the cute little story that we try to make out of it every year? The beauty of Christmas is a powerful story. God sending his one and only son into the world to save you and I. And I don't know what you're going through in this season, whether you're unwell, whether there are difficulties mentally, financially, in your family, or whether you're experiencing one of the best seasons of your life. But there is a reason that all of us have been given to praise. There is a reason that all of us have been given to be joyful and to worship and to adore God with everything in us. And that is that we have become the carriers of the message of Jesus. And that message is not irrelevant because the message of Jesus is timeless. The message of Jesus transcends every culture, every society, every season, every eon, every philosophical debate that there is. It overcomes every political and geopolitical party there ever is. See, the message of Jesus still remains relevant today. The message of what Jesus did is still powerful. And why is it powerful? It is because the blood that was shed on that cross when Jesus died is still just as powerful today as it was 2,000 years ago. See, that blood of Jesus saves us from our sin. That blood of Jesus, it heals your body from sickness. It is that blood and only that blood that delivers you from the power power of the devil. And I am thankful this morning for Jesus. I am thankful for his blood. I am thankful for his obedience to death on a cross. And I am thankful that he didn't stay dead, but that he rose on the third day. I am thankful that I serve a savior that is coming again. See the same clouds that took him up. He will return on those clouds again with splendor and with glory forevermore. Praise Jesus this morning. Oh, we have a message to tell. We have a great story to tell. And I pray that during this Christmas season, we would have our hearts be open to sharing the story with Jesus to those that do not know him, or even to those that have known him but have fallen away from him. This morning, I want to tell you what Christmas is. The past few weeks, I've said a few things like, Christmas is supernatural. I want us to remember them. So the slogan for today or the title of today's message is, Christmas is Pentecostal. Do you know that? Do you know the Christmas story is a Pentecostal story? In Luke chapter 2, verse 19, we see that after the shepherds visit Joseph and Mary... Luke 2.19 says to us, But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. This morning, I said, we lit the candle 
and we're going to realize how important Joseph and Mary are. But I felt led this morning to specifically talk about Mary, the mother of Jesus. When I began to look into different books and different theology, I realized how poor Protestant theology is because nothing, we almost shy away from saying anything about Mary. But then when I looked at Roman Catholic theology, I realized that that is also falling short regarding Mary. Why? Because everything they write is, Mary was a virgin. Praise be, many of the girls in her time were also virgins too. Come on, I'm going to be real with you this morning. We praise Mary for her obedience. Guess what? Many Jewish girls of her time were also obedient. We praise Mary for her willingness to serve God. There were many young ladies that were also willing to serve God. When we look at the Christmas story and we look at Mary over the course of the scripture all the way up into the day of Pentecost, we see that Mary was a Pentecostal woman. We see that Mary was open to the leading of God in her life in a way that is exemplary for you and I. She treasured the things that God was doing in her heart. There are many people that are spiritual big mouths. They have revelations from God, and the second they receive that revelation, they want to run and they want to tell everyone, oh, I received this, I received that. But Mary was a woman that felt if God said it, he's going to do it. She treasured those things within her heart because she believed that nothing was impossible for her God. I pray this morning that we leave this place today just like Mary, knowing that nothing is impossible for God. Among Mary and some of her family, a genuine revival is birthed among their relatives. As Mary, Elizabeth, her cousin, Joseph, her husband, Zechariah, Elizabeth's husband, and the pre-born John the Baptist all experience the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. When we look at the beginning story, pre-Christmas, of what God was doing in Nazareth and in Jerusalem, God began to move on this Judean family. God began to move on this family from the tribe of Judah. Zechariah was fulfilling his priestly duties, and an angel of the Lord appeared to him and said that he and his wife at an old age would receive a son. Elizabeth, when she saw her cousin Mary, the baby in her belly, John the Baptist, leapt within her womb and she was filled with the Holy Spirit. We see Mary as the angel appears to her and the angel says, I will overshadow you and you will conceive through the power of the Holy Spirit. We see Joseph dreaming dreams and the angels appearing to him to lead him and warn him and guide him. We're not just reading any old story about a meek and mild, meager little couple. We are reading the story of a family in a little village that begin to experience a monumental move of God that will affect the world even until this day. That is the story of Christmas. That is the story that makes it Pentecostal. 
This morning, when we look at Mary, there are three things that I'd like to highlight about Mary that are different than the normal theological meanderings about Mary. The first one is, in order to make Mary that Pentecostal person, Mary knew and learned to speak prophetically with her mouth. Mary was a prophetic woman. If you have your Bibles, let's look at Luke chapter 1, verse 46 through 55. Luke chapter 1, 46 through 55. It said, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, because he has looked on me with favor. He's looked on the humble condition of his servant. Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed, because the Mighty One has done great things for me, and his name is holy. His mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear him. For he has done mighty deeds with his great arm, and he has scattered the proud because of the thoughts of their hearts. He has toppled the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has satisfied the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering his mercy to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he spoke to our ancestors. This is a young teenage girl. Not only is she filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, but she speaks as the Spirit gives her utterance. And the things that Mary says are not meek and mild things. She says that God has chosen her among women. And the child that's about to come forth from her, he will topple the kingdoms of this world. He will mess up the socioeconomic systems. He will cause the rich to go away hungry. And he'll make the poor person's belly be filled with goodness. God will remember the lowly and he'll bring down the proud. This woman was not joking. If you talk about a Pentecostal sister, this word brought the house down. Because she saw that her son was about to step in to a human system that was twisted and corrupted. She knew that the Messiah, I need to drink, hold up. Thank you. Oh, I could drink from a fire hydrant right now. She says this child is about to topple the world systems. It is a reversal of every system they know, and her son is about to bring life and change, not only on his own merit, but because of the promises of God that were spoken throughout all the ages. She knew that God would be faithful to fulfill his plan. Mary was not a kook. Mary was not crazy. She was a young woman who rested on the promises of God and knew that God was going to be faithful to fulfill it. If he said it, he would do it, and he would bring it to pass. Mary was radically open to God's will and to the Holy Spirit's work through her son, Jesus. The Pentecostal mindset that I talk about is a mindset of letting go of things like fear, manipulation, and perfectionism. 
And it allows God to have his will and way in every single situation. Like Mary at the feet of Gabriel at the Annunciation, we echo the words, let it be done to your servant according to your word. I pray that we would all have that radical openness to the Spirit of God, a radical openness that would cause us to open our mouths and proclaim the faithfulness and the promises and the goodness of God, just like Mary did in her day and age. The second thing that we see from the life of Mary in the Scripture is that she was a woman who knew how to push the envelope with her words. My kind of lady. Mary was not afraid to speak at the right moment. When we make her so meek and mild, we make her this timid little being. No, she was not. She was brave. She was bold. She knew the right moments when to open her mouth and to speak. She knew when to push the envelope, and she even knew when to push the envelope with her son Jesus. When you look at John chapter 2, verses 2 through 5, we see Jesus with his disciples at a wedding in a place called Cana. There's a couple getting married, and the wine that they had, well, it was getting a little bit less and less and less. You know, we have that kind of standard joke, I don't know, but when you go to a wedding, you go with the envelope open, and you don't write out the check until you're done eating. Is that an Italian thing? <laughs> we want to see the venue. We want to eat the food. We want our piece of cake. Is it open bar, closed bar? Those are all the things that we're evaluating as the gift becomes more or less. The same was true of that culture, not necessarily the envelope. But what was true of that culture was that it would be an utter and grave embarrassment at this wedding if the wine ran out and the guests were not filled to the brim. When I was talking to my daughter one night and I was reading certain stories from the Bible, I asked her, what story would you like to read tonight? She said, I'd like to read the story of the miracle at Cana. I said, well, why do you want to read that one? She said, well, all the other miracles Jesus did for people, they were about healing. They, he healed their body. He raised children from the dead. She said, with this miracle, Jesus saves people from embarrassment. She said, I like those kind of miracles. Come on. Don't you like those kind of miracles? But the propagator of this miracle, even though it flows from Jesus, comes from Mary being willing to push the envelope. And it says in John chapter 2, verses 2 through 5, on the third day that a wedding took place in Cana of Galilee, Jesus' mother was there, that's Mary, and Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding as well. Just so you know, Jesus and his disciples were not boring wedding guests. When the wine ran out, Jesus' mother told him, they don't have any wine. Listen to him in this moment. And no matter what anyone says, he was a little fresh sometimes. <laughs> what has this concern of yours to do with me, woman? I don't know about you, but I would have gotten the Italian backhand for that comment. <laughs> Jesus asked, my hour has not come. 
do whatever he tells you, his mother told the servant. Do whatever he tells you, his mother told the servant. He just, he just said no. He just said my time has not come. Does this mean that this miracle was not meant to happen? What it means is, is that Mary understood things about the scripture. Mary understood that you could kind of bend the arm of God if you needed to. Mary understood that her prayers were powerful. Mary understood that when you ask, you receive. Mary knew the secret that when you knock and you knock and you knock, the door will be open to you. And she thought, hey, I believe in God and everything, but I was willing to give you birth. You better do this miracle for me. Come on. She's a mama just like any other mama. How dare you? Raised you, changed your diaper, moved to Egypt for you so they wouldn't kill you. And you're saying, woman, my time has not come. I'll give you your time has not come. And she responds in that way after he almost says no in a nice way, but not really nice and a little fresh. Do whatever he tells you. Do whatever he tells you. And at that moment, he called for water cisterns that were ceremonial water cisterns to be brought to him, about 10 of them. And Jesus fills them all the way up to the brim with water. He tells the servants, fill them to the brim with water. And all of a the sudden, they look again, and every single ceremonial vat is filled with wine to the brim. But the true test of this is when the wine is brought to the guest and the guests respond. This is a miracle of miracles. We've never been at a wedding that they saved the best for last. This is the best wine we've ever had. Now again, we are in Assemblies of God Church. Assemblies of God do not like drinking. They do not agree with drinking. They try to say that the word oinos in Greek is wine mixed with water. I am married to a European woman. I did ministry in Europe for 15 years. The Europeans will tell you the best for last is not wine mixed with water. <laughs> People from the Mediterranean will tell you the best for last is not the wine mixed with water. It is the best. And in that moment of provision, Mary knew that the envelope needed to be pushed. Mary knew that the people worked in partnership with God. Just like Moses knew he could intercede and get God to change his mind, Mary knew she could use her clout as his mother to get the wonder-working hand of her son to budge for this newly married couple. Like Mary, we find our faith needs to be assertive and bold, not because we are arrogant, but because we too know Jesus. Just like he was born of Mary, Jesus has also been born into our hearts, according to Galatians 4, 19 and 20. As I was reflecting on this point of the sermon, it made me think on a funny moment in the Netherlands as a missionary. I oftentimes did care to the elderly of our church in Holland. It's kind of a must. As a pastor, you have to visit everyone constantly. It is one of the most exhausting things you could ever do. And as a church grows larger, you are still expected to visit everyone. It was intense. 
However, on one of those great visits, one of the older women in our church recounted a moment in her life that she was very scared and afraid and she didn't want to go to school. And her father took her outside to go to the bus and he started singing a very famous Dutch hymn. And as the bus came, he sings the hymn to her and I'll sing it for you in just a moment. And then he sings the hymn to her and the bus comes and he opens the door and he pushes her with her back into the door and says, get on the bus. Psalm 81 in Dutch says the following, Open uw mount, eis van my vrijmoedig. Op mijn trouw verbond, al wat u ontbreekt, schenk ik, zo gij smeekt, mild en overvloedig. The English translation. Open your mouth and boldly demand of me with confidence, based on my faithful covenant, that everything you lack I will pour out on you what you ask for, generously and abundantly. This young woman was afraid in her life, afraid to go to school, afraid to deal with the day. And her dad, being a good Christian father, grabs her by the backpack, sings this song into her ear, and when the bus driver opens the door of the bus, he pushes her right into the bus. She says, I will never forget that. That everything I need in life, from being fearful to going to school, to believing God for my finances, to asking God to save my coworker or family member, that all I need to do is open my mouth and confidently and boldly ask of him. Just like Mary, confidently and boldly asked of him. See, we can boldly, boldly, boldly come to the throne of grace. Oftentimes on Sunday morning, you will hear prophetic words coming forward here. And those words say, come to me confidently. Come to me boldly. Why are those words coming over and over and over again? Because like Mary, you and I need to learn that we are not just coming to a random father. We are coming to a great and awesome heavenly father who has sealed the deal for you and I. He made a way through the precious blood of his son Jesus. We're not just meagerly asking. We're not just mildly asking. We are asking God with boldness and authority to pour out on us all of his generosity and the abundance of his blessing. Wait, but that doesn't fit into the traditional mindset of the church throughout the ages. No, but it does fit into the theology of the New Testament. When it says things like all the blessings in Jesus are ours. When it says things like God longs to lavishly pour out his grace upon you. When it says abundantly and exceedingly above what you could think, ask, or imagine. We need to understand that America's mindset of XXL is not the only mindset of XXL. God's mindset is XXXXLLLLL and keep going. God is a God of generosity and abundance. God wants to meet your need, even if it's not the right timing. Come on. I tell them all the time, buddy, what clock are you on? I need that blessing, and I needed it yesterday. Come on. Let's get serious. God is not afraid of you. God wants to know that you know him. God wants to have it out with you sometimes. God wants to know that you are a little frustrated, you're a little irritated, and maybe you're a little bit emboldened. And even if he says no to you, twist his arm anyway. 
If you are holding him to his word, twist his arm. Come on. If you are giving in faith and you feel like it has not come through what you've asked for, twist his arm. Lord, your word says. Lord, your word says. He's not afraid of his word. And he's definitely not afraid of you. Just like Jesus was not afraid of Mary and not afraid of her boldness. And he filled those wine vats anyway. The last thing that we learned from Mary this morning is that she was waiting for the Holy Spirit with expectation. Do you know that Mary needed to be saved? When the prophet was speaking and the words were proclaimed to Mary, Simeon said to Mary when they dedicated Jesus in the temple, he said, and a sword will pierce your heart too. Mary needed salvation. Mary needed to be saved. Mary was there on the day of Pentecost in the upper room. She is specifically mentioned by name. Mary needed the infilling of the Holy Spirit in order to be a witness of her son Jesus. In Acts chapter 2 verse 14, we normally read, and then they were all gathered in the upper room and the Holy Spirit came. No, let's go a little bit before that. Acts 2.14, as Luke is writing his eyewitness account, he was able to interview the people that were actually there, and he says the following in Luke, Acts 2.14. He says, and they were all continually united in prayer along with the women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. What? Oh, no, no, P Peter was there. John was there. James was there. Yeah, we all like when the homies are there. His mama was there. Mama Mary was in that room. Why? Because just like she had known the overshadowing of the Spirit as a teenager when he came upon her, just like she had the prophetic unction when she saw her cousin Elizabeth, just like in horror as she saw her son die, she was there when he rose again. And that same Mary needed to be emboldened by the Holy Spirit in order to be a witness of her son. On that day of Pentecost, 120 people gathered for a period of 10 days in the upper room after the ascension of Jesus. They were there to wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. Mary is specifically mentioned among those who are expectantly waiting to be filled. She said it in her famous prophetic words, the Magnificant. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has filled the hungry with good things. Her heart was hungry for what God was about to do to save the Jewish people and to save the nations of the world. The very woman who was overshadowed by the Spirit to form a Jesus physically within her womb was also filled from heart to toe with the same Spirit again so that the power of Jesus would make her a proclaimer of the message of salvation. Oh, Mary went and she told it on the mountain. Mary went and told it on the hills and everywhere. Not only did she say Jesus was born, but she said, I was his mama. I gave birth to him. Come on. 
Mary could testify of the godliness of her son. Mary could testify of the miracles of what God did. She was an eyewitness of every aspect of his life, death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. In Mary, we see more than just obedience and purity. We see a woman with prophetic character, a radical faith, and an eager expectation for God's miracle-working power in the world. The story of Christmas is more than just meek and mild. The story of Mary is more than just virginity, obedience, and humility. The story of Christmas, as evidenced through Mary, is Pentecostal. It is a story full of faith. It is a story full of radical moves of God and authority. It is a story of believing that God is moving and working in the world in ways that blow our expectation. So therefore, this morning, we can end all of the confusion with the song, Mary, Did You Know? Oh, yeah, she knew. Oh, yes, she did. It's not Mary, did you know? Yes, Mary knew. Mary knew from reading the Old Testament that her son would give sight to a blind man. Mary knew that her son would do miracles. Mary knew that her son would be the savior of the world. Mary knew that her son would suffer and die. Mary knew that her son would rise again. Mary knew, she knew, she knew. Oh yes, she knew. Because Mary was a Pentecostal woman in the right place at the right time, expecting God to move like never before. And I pray this morning that we would not be, as Pentecostal believers, a bunch of meager and dopey individuals who have no clue what's going on. I pray that we would be filled filled with the same Holy Spirit, filled with that same holy expectation of what Jesus is going to do, filled with that same faith that believes God to do the impossible. I pray that we be filled this Christmas season with the power of the Holy Spirit, the same spirit that Mary, the mother of Jesus, needed to turn from a simple young woman into a proclaimer, an evangelist of the gospel message. I pray that none of us would hide behind being introverts, meager, meek, quiet, whatever you want to frame it in, afraid, you can go in any direction you want. See, God wants to fill each and every one of us to be a witness, to be bold in this Christmas season and go and tell it on the mountain, over the hills, and everywhere. I'd like the altar team to come and take their place at the front this morning. There are those that need that touch of the Holy Spirit, that touch of the Spirit of God upon their life, just like Mary, her whole life kind of shows the evidence of the Holy Spirit showing up time and time again. This morning, if you walked into Bethel and you need the Holy Spirit to show up in some way, shape, or form in your life, he wants to show up. If you need him to show up to fulfill his plan in and through your life, Come to the altar. 
If you need a miracle of God like Mary, push the envelope asking for a miracle. Come to the altar. If this morning, if you need to be filled with the presence of the Holy Spirit, who is the Spirit of Jesus, come to the altar this morning. Let's stand together as we close this service. Lord, we come to you. Lord, in a moment, as we respond to these altars, I pray that your Holy Spirit would touch us deeply today. Lord, that we would be willing to be filled by you, that we would be willing to be used by you. Lord, like Mary, that we would say, here I am. Let it be done to your servant according to your word. Let it be done to your servant according to your word. Lord, that is our desire. Lord, that you would fill us through and through. Lord, fill us to overflowing. We ask you this in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. The worship team is going to lead us in one last song today. As we sing that song together and you need prayer for the things that I've mentioned, come, the altar team is here for you. Let the Spirit of God work in that Pentecostal way in your life during this Christmas season. God bless you. Have a wonderful third Sunday of Advent. Remember to see Shaylin out in the foyer. We'll see you next Sunday at 3 p.m. Thanks for tuning in to the Bethel New England Message of the Week. Make sure you share this message with a friend or family member to encourage them today. Head to BethelNE.com to stay up to date with everything that's going on at Bethel New England.